Bible and turn, if you would, to the Old Testament book of Judges. It's the sixth book of our Bible. If you're using your pew Bible, you'll find our text in Judges on page 220. We are continuing in our sermon series that we've entitled Everyday Heroes. Today we're going to look at the story of one of those everyday heroes that comes to us from the Old Testament. It was the person Deborah. And maybe you have some Deborahs or Debbies in your life. Uh, perhaps today for the first time you'll realize where that name comes from in the Jewish and the Christian tradition. We encounter the story of Deborah in Judges chapter 4, and I'll begin reading at the first verse. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ahud died. So the Lord sold them into the hand of King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Haroset Hagoim. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. For he, Sisera, Jabin, had 900 chariots of iron and had oppressed the Israelites cruelly for 20 years. At that time, Deborah, a prophetess, wife of Lapidot, was judging Israel. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go take position out at Mount Tabor, bringing 10,000 from the tribe of Naphtali and the tribe of Zebulun. I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the Wadi Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. Barak said to her, If you will go with me, I will go, but if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah got up and went with Barak to Kadesh. Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh, and 10,000 warriors went up behind him, and Deborah went up with them. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? God, for the gift of this day, we give you thanks. I pray that for each of us gathered in this place, you'll give us the grace to hear what you are saying to us as individuals and as a church family. We offer this time to you. We pray that all distractions will cease. We pray that you'll quieten, quieten, quieten the noise in our heads and in our hearts so we may listen for your voice. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Church, we need to pay attention to the whole counsel of God. 
In the Christian tradition, that's one of the ways we've referenced the whole Bible from Genesis through Revelation. We need to pay attention to the whole counsel of God. If we want to access the whole wisdom of God, we need to pay attention to the whole counsel of God from Genesis through Revelation. We are told in the Bible itself that all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is given to us for our edification, our equipping for ministry, and for the wisdom that we need for the living of this age. So we need to pay attention to the whole counsel of God. Now I know there are some Christians out there, as long as they know John 3, 16, they're satisfied. Maybe they'll add on the 23rd Psalm. Maybe they'll add on the great love hymn in 1 Corinthians 13. Maybe they'll add on a few passages from the Sermon on the Mount, and then they're satisfied. That's enough scripture for one lifetime. That's the way some people think, but we should be grateful for the whole counsel of God, and we should be eager to learn whatever God has for us from all of the sacred texts. This morning we're in the book of Judges. We do not need to forget the book of Judges. The book of Judges, like all of the books in the Bible, holds great insight for each one of us. And we are in an age where we're swamped with information, so we need to find the wisdom that we can find in this age. And we find wisdom throughout all the scriptures and here in the book of Judges, in particular, I think we find some wisdom for the living of this age in which we find ourselves. In the book of Judges, we find that it was a very, most of the time in the book of Judges, it was a very, very dark time there in the midst of the people of Israel. They had found their way into the land of promise under Joshua, but they have not yet established the kingdom yet. They have not yet established the monarchy yet. So there was a great deal of chaos during the period of the judges between entering the land of promise and the establishment of the monarchy. There are two refrains that keep reoccurring in the book of Judges. One of the refrains you actually heard in the text this morning, but they, these two refrains that keep occurring in the book of Judges say this, all the people did what was right in their own eyes. They did what they thought was best. They did what they thought was right. They all did what they thought was right in their own eyes. And the second refrain that occurs throughout the book of Judges follows on that one, and it says that the people did what was evil in the sight of God. So here we have the people doing what they think is right in their own eyes. But in the sight of God, God termed it evil. In so many ways, I think we could draw parallels between the age, the age of the judges in our own age today. We very much live in a culture where people want to do what they consider right in their own eyes. Being captain of your own destiny, seeking personal autonomy, seeking self-determination, seeking self-fulfillment is the passion of our age. People want to do what they think is best, 
what they think is right in their own eyes. And of course, we know enough of the faith to know that we should never seek to do what we think is best. We should always seek to do what God thinks is best. That's why we need to live a life utilizing spiritual discernment. We need to do what God thinks is best. We need to do what God thinks is right rather than just what we think is best and right in our own eyes. Because human nature being what it is, oftentimes what we think is best might be evil in the sight of God. That was the culture that we see very much in evidence during the age of the judges. And it was a very dark time. You noticed in the text that uh, during the time of Deborah, the people of Israel were being oppressed by Jabin, the Canaanite king. And in the midst of their oppression, then and there they cried out to God. At that point, they decided to seek what God thought was best what God thought was right, they cried out to God, and then there, perhaps one of the darker moments in their history, God showed up. Throughout scriptures, we see that happening over and over and over again. God oftentimes will give us what we want, we think we want, will give us our own way, our own wishes, and then when we mess things up royally, if we then cry out to God, God shows up, and God delivers in remarkable ways. Here in our text this morning, as the Israelites are crying out, God delivers through the person of Deborah. And I don't know if you've experienced Deborah before, studied Deborah before. I, I hope that if this is your introduction to Deborah in the Hebrew Bible, that it would not be the last time you think about Deborah. God shows up and uses Deborah to bring deliverance to the people. The name Deborah means honeybee. That perhaps says something about her level of energy. She is called here in the text a, a prophetess, someone who speaks the mind of God, not just speaks her own mind, but speaks the mind of God. She's called a prophetess. She's called a judge. But I hope that you notice in the text that I read a few moments ago, that it says that the people, the Israelites, would seek her out and come to her, particularly as she would, was seated under what they come to call the palm of Deborah for wisdom and guidance and counsel and advice. She must have been a remarkable, remarkable person. The Israelites would seek her out. One of the, one of the most significant wise things we can do in life is to pay attention from whom we get our counsel. One of my favorite verses in, Bible that, in the Bible that I, I, I seek to use as a guiding force in my life comes from uh, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22, where the author says, in a multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. We need to make sure that we have those people in our lives that can offer us good counsel, godly counsel, wise counsel. Now, particularly in this age in which we find ourselves, we're bombarded by people and a culture seeking to give us advice. So we're hearing counsel from all different directions. We're constantly bombarded. We need to pay attention to the 
voices that we choose to listen to. In a multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. You know what I find oftentimes in the Christian life? I see people who want to go it alone. They want to go it alone as lone rangers. They want to be their own counsel. Or they try that and they don't realize they're being bombarded with a multitude of advice coming from all the different parts of our culture. You need to pay attention that you are getting counsel from a lot of different directions. Be, be, be very uh, particular about where you get your counsel. In a multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. There in, in Israel, they, for whatever reason, they sought out Deborah. And this was a very male-dominated age, I'm sure you know that, but they sought out Deborah to find wisdom. And when they came to Deborah asking for wisdom concerning the oppression of Jabin the Canaanite, Deborah gave them some counsel. Deborah told them to call for Barak, and then she counseled Barak to go to war against the Canaanites. And Barak was wise enough to say to Deborah, I will go to war with the Canaanites, against the Canaanites, if you, Deborah, will go with me. And she says she will go with him. But then she says something very, very interesting to Barak. She says, you won't get the glory from this battle, from this war. You won't get the glory because the end of the conflict will come at the hand of a woman. Again, this is a very male-dominated age. Here's Deborah stepping up. And Deborah's telling Barak, he will, he will prevail. The people of Israel prevail, but he will not get the glory for prevailing. A woman will. And as homework, I encourage you to read the rest of chapter 4, and you'll see that what brings the conflict to an end is the appearance of another woman by J.L. And let me just say, um, J.L. was handy with a hammer. And you see how J.L. brings the end to the conflict. So Barak doesn't get the glory. J.L. gets the glory. And it's Deborah really calling the shots. If you look on the front of your bulletin, you see that image of Deborah leading the people, going with the people into battle. Deborah went up with them to battle. And the Israelites did prevail over the Canaanites. And the text tells us that they had 40 years of peace and prosperity. They had 40 years, as the Bible says, of rest after God used Deborah to bring their deliverance from the Canaanites. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have a 40-year period of rest as a nation, peace, prosperity? I think a lot of it has to do with where we seek our wisdom. I don't know what you're facing this week, and I suspect you may not know what you're facing this week. Human nature being what it is, uh, life brings us surprises throughout our week. Whatever it is you're facing this week, whatever it is you may encounter this week, I encourage you to remember Deborah. Remember her courage. We see an amazing person of courage here in this text. I hope that you know that courage does not mean the absence of fear. Courage does not mean the absence of fear. 
Courage is acting in spite of the fear. Courage is acknowledging the fear that we have, but we still do the right thing. We still do in spite of that fear. We still do what God is calling us to do. Um, my father was a World War II veteran. He served in General Patton's Third Army and participated in the liberation of Europe. I remember my father always saying to me that he, he didn't care much for General Patton's use of language, but he did have great respect for General Patton as a leader. And General Patton one time famously said that courage is just, is just holding on one minute longer in spite of the fear. Friends, if you give in to your fears, you are already on the path to defeat. But if you stand strong in spite of your fears, if you move in the direction to which God is calling you in spite of your fears, you are definitely on the path to victory. Even in this post-Christian age, if people know many of the Bible stories at all, most people have some memory of David and Goliath. And I loved as a child in Sunday school learning about David and Goliath, 1 Samuel chapter 17. And we, we probably have a memory of David, that young shepherd boy, going up against the Philistine giant. And David, the young shepherd boy, prevails over the Philistine giant, Goliath, and therefore the Israelites prevail over the Philistines. But I remember in Sunday school as a young child encountering the story of David and Goliath, and um, I still remember my favorite verse from the story. And it's not about the shepherd boy David taking up his stones, putting them in his slingshot, and landing one of them right there on Goliath's forehead and prevailing over Goliath as, as, as amazing as that might be. My favorite part of the story is right before the action when David says that, and he's a young shepherd boy, when David says he realizes that the battle is the Lord's. You may not meet Goliath in your life, but I'm sure you'll meet some giants in your life. That if you want those giants to fall before you, you've got to go after those giants in the power and the strength of the Lord. You've got to be able to know what it means to be still to know that God is God. Be still to know that God is God and understand that ultimately the battle is the Lord's. Sometimes we just have to give the battles of life over to God and we have to fight our battles on our knees using the tools of faith like prayer and love and mercy. So when you need a dose of courage, in life. You may need that before you finish this Sunday. But whenever you need a dose of courage, remember Deborah. Also remember her great confidence in God. It almost appears as if she was the only Israelite in this story who had, has great confidence in God. They're panicking, they're distraught, they're under the oppression of the Canaanites, under King Jabin of Hotsor. But she had confidence in God. She knew that whatever God would call you to, God would lead you through. She remembered that our God is, is a God who makes a way when there seems to be no way. 
She, she, she knew that the enemy had all of those chariots of iron, but they had the God of Israel on their side. So God does make a way when there seems to be no way. God is always at work uh, causing his purposes to be worked out in history, whether we know it or not. And uh, the enemy here in this text did have 900 chariots of iron. The Israelites had no chariots. The Israelites had no technology to produce chariots of iron. But what they did have was the God of Israel. And they had Deborah's confidence, faith, in the God of Israel. So I think Deborah is one of these everyday heroes of which we've been speaking for several weeks now. Here in the text, we are told she's a prophetess. She is called a judge, one of those charismatic leaders that God raises up during this period to lead the people out of great difficulty. But it's interesting here in Judges 4 and 5 how Deborah refers to herself. She is a prophetess. She speaks the mind of God. That's what a prophet or prophetess does. She is a judge. She leads the people. But if you go on into chapter 5 of Judges, you start to hear the song of Deborah. Chapter 4 is the story. Chapter 5 is the song of Deborah. I commend the song of Deborah to you also. If you read the song of Deborah, you see how Deborah defines herself. In chapter 5, verse 7, in the midst of the song of Deborah, you see that Deborah defines herself as simply a mother in Israel. Mothers are obviously, certainly, those some of those everyday heroes in our midst, if they decide and determine to be godly mothers. They are everyday heroes doing some of the most important work that's ever done in this society. Here Deborah, the prophetess, the judge, the leader in battle, and she refers to herself as simply a mother in Israel doing what God has called her to do. Don't know what you're facing, don't know what you're going to face this week or this month or in the rest of your life. But I hope that whenever you need courage and confidence, you remember Deborah. I remember several years ago, at the very beginning of my ministry, I, I did my chaplaincy training at the old Wesley Long Community Hospital. And I remember doing a year's worth of chaplaincy training there, and I learned so much. I was, I think, 23, 24 years old. I was so green. And I learned so much there working in that hospital, being trained as a chaplain. I, I was given the, the oncology floor, the cancer floor. I learned about my own mortality, that we all come into this world to face death. I remember one particular day, because when I was doing this, it was almost before hospice got up and running. When I was doing that chaplaincy training at Wesley Long, I remember one day when I lost seven cancer patients. And I went through their deaths with their families. I also learned there when I was doing that chaplaincy training when I was very young, how fragile life is. We have this illusion of security. But life is really very, very fragile. When I was doing that work at Wesley Long, I remember some of the things I experienced down in the emergency room. 
And what I come to realize is almost all of those people I saw in the emergency room, some going through great trauma, they didn't wake up on that particular day thinking that's the way the day would end. We don't know what a day will bring. Life is very, very fragile. So when you need a dose of courage, when you need a dose of confidence, confidence, remember Deborah. My friends, I hope that you've given your sin, your sins to Jesus Christ. Let him be your savior. He'll take your sins, take away your guilt in this world and the world to come. He will put you in a right relationship with God. And I also hope that you've not just given Jesus Christ your sins. I hope that you've given Jesus Christ your, your very life. Don't just invite him in as Savior. Invite him in as Lord of your life. Not just Lord over your religious department, but Lord over every area of your life. Lord over your fears. Lord over your finances. Lord over your family. Invite him in as Savior. Invite him in as Lord. Allow him to set up his throne in your heart. And then in those moments when life brings more at you than you think you can handle, you can find that Deborah-type courage, that Deborah-type faith. I don't know if this is the first time you've been introduced to Deborah. I certainly hope it's not the last time you think about her. Would you pray with me? God, we're so grateful for the riches of your word, and we pray that we'll, be, we'll never be satisfied with the way we've plumbed the depths of your word. Give us a hunger to know everything in the book. Give us a hunger to know the wisdom that you have for the living of these days. Give us a hunger to be formed more by you than the culture around us. God, we thank you for all the gifts that you offered us, the gift of faith, the gift of courage, the gift of your presence in all of life. So God, we, we do invite you into our lives at this moment. We do the most reasonable, rational thing we can do when we decide to seek what you think is best instead of what we think is best. We yield our lives to you. We surrender our rebellious hearts to you. And we pray that you come into our lives and show yourself to be glorious in the ways that you use us. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.